So today we are looking at Daniel chapter 9, and you could title it a number of different ways. I played around with it a little bit. I, I put, how long must this go on? Mostly because when I was in the army, we would run. Like, like when I went to airborne school, we ran until I thought I was going to die, and and they they would we get we get back to the start position and they'd say one more time and then we go around again another mile we get done and I think oh yeah this is it finally finally we'll get some relief uh uh, uh, -uh one more time you know and you know what I thought was going to be a one or a two mile run ended up being a six mile run in combat boots uh, you know uh, Sometimes I feel that way about. Sometimes I feel that way about my adult life. Sometimes I feel that way about my job. Uh, confession, probably. Sometimes Cheryl feels that way about being married to me. Uh, you know, uh, oh, how long must this go on, Lord? This is a common question that the prophets, both major and minor prophets, all asked of God. How long is this going to go on? Okay. Now, today what we're going to do is we're going to examine Daniel's prayer, and we see that his prayer is actually so special to God that God answers it very specifically, more specifically than he does anybody else's prayers in all of Scripture. When, when Abraham says, when God says, uh, hey, you trusted me, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, he didn't say anything about Sarah. He didn't say where it was going to happen. He said, go to a land I'm going to show you. Didn't say where the land was. I'm going to show you later. So Abraham had, you know, he took him on faith. Now we are at the end of Daniel's life, and Daniel has been trusting God his whole life. And what we find is that he asked God, how much longer, Lord? And it's a really cool prayer. So uh, open, open your Bibles to Daniel chapter, uh, chapter 9. Oh, I'm sorry. Before before we do, I just, here's a here's a post from a year ago, from uh, from a North Boulevard member. Uh, it's a Facebook post. So uh, uh, I I just want you to see that you that we think sometimes that uh, times are hard for us or whatever. Okay. There are days I feel blessed that the Lord created me with a soft heart, but today is not one of them. So many people on my mind and my heart are being absolutely physically, emotionally, and mentally crushed by Satan. They are not being crushed spiritually, however. I'm not sure why I cannot move forward when those under the most brutal attacks seem to do it so gracefully. But it makes me feel physically ill that we live in such a wretched world and that it feels at times my God is silent. I know He's there with wisdom and understanding I don't possess, but even with that knowledge, it's so hard not to be angry, hurt, and feel alone as His child. Okay. If you've ever, if you've seen the movie Silence, anybody seen the movie Silence? What's the name of it? Japan Missionaries, right? I read, I read the book. You read the book. Okay, read the book or, or watch the movie. I did both. So, yeah. Okay, still got one. Okay. 
it's really about the silence of God in the midst of extreme suffering. And so these were missionaries that went into Japan and, and they were literally burned. They were boiled in water, etc., etc. And so uh, they underwent tremendous hardship and um, uh, for the sake of the gospel. And so, um, so the key verse is going to be verse 18 today. And I'd like for us to just start with that. Somebody read Daniel chapter 9, verse 18, in a loud, clear voice. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. We don't make request of you because we're righteous. Growing up, I was told that God didn't hear the prayer of an alien sinner. Okay? That's wrong. That's wrong. We've got biblical examples where God hears prayers of people. I've got, I know examples of people in foreign lands that received visions and that led them to somebody that led them to Jesus. Okay? God hears prayers. God answers prayers. So I want to... I want to disagree with that statement. God doesn't answer the prayer of an alien sinner. Uh, but more importantly, he says here, God doesn't answer our prayer, Daniel says, because we're righteous, because we deserved it. He answers our prayer because he's got grace, because he's gracious. It's his character. And, uh, and so that's what we're going to see in Daniel's life uh, God calls him highly esteemed. Highly esteemed. To be highly esteemed by God, that should be all of our goals. Okay? So, uh, let's look then at the... Uh, first, I want to just pick up on these uh, verses because this is how long is the question. Jeremiah asked this question and he got a, a specific answer. He was told 70 years. So Jeremiah 25, 11 says, Israel will become a desolate wasteland and will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Okay. In Jeremiah 29, 10, it says, the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So again, this is an exile time. This is basically time out for Israel. Okay? This is not slavery. He's led a few of the Israelites off to Babylon, put them in Babylonian universities in Babylonian positions of influence and power and they have shined through their faith, through their faithfulness. Okay? So that's what's going on. He told them, you know, go ahead, get married. Plant vineyards. Do stuff because you're going to be there 70 years. That's what God told them. Okay? So they knew. Daniel 9 is written in year 67 of those 70 years. And Daniel's got no indications that it's going to end. It looks, God promised 70 years. That's very specific. But Daniel looks around him and he doesn't see anything that says it's ending. Babylon's still in charge. He's still in captivity. He's not got papers that say in three years you're going to be discharged. You're going to get to go home. Okay? Doesn't have anything like that. 
except what Jeremiah said. So he's got God's promise, but he believes that promise, but he's praying about it. Okay? So somebody read these first three verses. As we prepare our minds for prayer, we need to consider these three verses. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, and Levi descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, I, Daniel, understood from scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. What is Daniel doing? to prepare himself for prayer. What is he doing? Fasting. Fasting. He's also wearing specific clothing. Yeah, some specific clothing. It's, it's like a, it's a symbol of mourning and kind of humility, isn't it? Yeah, he's humbling himself, humiliating himself with these symbols. Okay. He's going to plead with God. Plead with God. Ask God. He's going to beg God. Beg God. Seventy years is up pretty soon, Lord. Please, don't, don't say one more mile. Don't say, don't say another year. Oh, y'all have been bad people. Timeout's now extended by 25%. Okay? No. Daniel's, Daniel is going to plead with God. And so to get ready, he's, he's preparing himself. I will tell you that it's, it's important for me to prepare my mind for prayer. I like, I like to have alone time with God early in the morning. And so I go in, I start the hot water for a cup of tea. I like to have a cup of tea with God. Okay? I like to talk to God as a conversation. I like to talk to Him, but I prepare my tea ahead of time. I don't, talk to, I don't really have this conversation with God while I'm making my tea because I'm thinking about making my tea. Okay? But I make my tea. I turn on the lights. They're very bright. Cheryl does not like bright lights early in the morning. So I do this in the living room, not in the bedroom. Okay? Do this in the front room. I turn on the bright lights. I get awake. I don't go to God when I'm drowsy. And, you know, I, I go to God when I'm alert. And for me, that's early in the morning. By early in the morning, I mean 4 to 6, sometime in there. Okay? So I got my tea. I sit down, I may read a scripture, I meditate on something, and then I go to God. Okay? I realize who I am. I'm just this guy sitting here in this chair or kneeling on the floor. Our physical position, our uh, abstinence from food, or our focus on God and who He is makes all the difference when we have that conversation. Okay? If I'm going to go into my principle and I'm going to ask for something, you better believe I've prepared my mind for what I'm going to ask. Okay? Uh, a few years ago, I took some stuff to a missionary that was in Honduras. You better believe I prepared myself for the questions I might be asked about the things that I took to him. A few, a few years before that, I had taken some stuff... Uh, 
into a country where uh, you're not supposed to take Bibles, and I took some Bibles. You better believe I had thought about what I was going to say if they stopped me and asked me about those Bibles. Okay? The Spirit of God still directed my thoughts and my words so much better than I could have. But it was preparation. Okay? That's what we need to do. Uh, what are some ways that y'all prepare yourselves for prayer? They could be things I've already mentioned or, or something different. Tidy up a bit. Maybe uh, feel like it's good to be presentable. Kind of have a, a presentable atmosphere free of distractions. So, so you do so what after you take a shower, shave? What What do you mean? No, no, just uh, say if there's stuff on the floor. You know, just just tidy up my room, make it a, a, a clean space. Oh, good. Where nothing's sitting out. Good. Remove ourselves from the distractions. I tell my students at school, if, if, if my topic is important to you, you'll cut off the TV and you'll, you know, you may play music, but you're going to play music in the background. You, you know, you're not, you're not blasting away going, you know, you know, whatever. Okay? That's not a good way to study. Okay? We want to focus. Okay? What other things do we do? But I mean, I see your point. It's a great point, but yeah. I don't know. When you asked that, I was like, "What does it mean?" Yeah. Well, I'm I'm kind of affected by surroundings. Like, well, so am I. I just I don't yeah. know. I just never really thought about it. But it, I mean, if your point would better me, but that's you know, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Why I can't stay focused and you know. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Cheryl will tell you. Anybody that knows me will tell you. I think a lot about food. <laughs> Fasting is a is a real way to to realize I'm a physical person with physical needs, but I'm also a spiritual person. So fasting is a way to prepare our minds to get rid of that reliance on the physical. Ibby? So I like to do a lot of praying when I'm in the car because it's just I don't know. It's it's like I can do something, but I don't have to be totally into it so I like I turn off the radio and then I just start talking mm -hmm. I'm like what's up Lord <laughs> yeah and um, if I do get distracted so like if somebody whips around me or something I'm like oh and then I'm like oh sorry Lord okay let me get back to that anyway <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like oh Absolutely, and 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 one of the things that we see there is it's kind of nice to have some motion around us to be in the woods, for instance, and to hear the birds, to see the flowers, to see the greenery, or even the rotting leaves, and to think about this world and to think about God and His His design. Those are things that clue us into God. Okay. Uh, I've got a friend that lives over here on Scotland Trace. It's a member of this church. And, he, and uh, when he was a bit younger, he was an old man still, but uh, when he was a bit younger, he would walk back and forth to church. And he was a professor at the university. He would walk back and forth to class. He would not drive any either of those places, in spite of the fact that he had a vehicle and could drive. I offered to give him a ride one time. He said, oh, no, this is my prayer time. He would make out a list. And between his house and here, he prayed for specific people and things. And he did the same thing on his way to class. 
as a professor. Okay? And there's somebody who's very, very focused and has prepared his mind for it. Some of us are list people. If you're a list person, list out the things that you're praying for and the people that you're praying for. And then you can be very specific when you thank God later because you've got that list in front of you. Okay? I, I do that at, I have an alarm at 530 in the morning on my phone. Yes. And my prayer list is part of that alarm. And so it's pretty neat to, you know, have everything I'm praying about on there. And, and it's really neat to go back and be able to say, thank you, God, that you answered that. And I, I, that's why I like the list. It really is. We have, it's a list, no, it's on the calendar. Oh. <laughs> I thought it sang it to her, you know. Don't worry, be happy or something. Uh, yeah. So, so we actually have one of, the, one of the elders. He has a very, very specific prayer list, and he prays for these things in order. And without any notes at all, whenever we're all together and he's asked to pray, he will go down through his prayer list. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, he prays for his children. He, and it's in the same order every time. Okay, so he's, he's done it. It's not less heartfelt. It's just that that way he doesn't overlook anybody that he's intentionally said, I will pray for you. Okay? So we see this of Daniel. Daniel is preparing his mind to come into the presence of Almighty God himself. Okay? Verses 4 through 6. Somebody read those for us. I pray to my God and confess, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of love with those who love Him and keep His commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from Your commands and laws. We have not listened to Your servants, the prophets, who spoke in Your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Good. How does he begin this prayer? Praise. Praise. Praise for God. God Himself. Praise is different than thankfulness. Praise, you're mentioning a character of God, a character trait of God. Okay? God, you are faithful. God, you are mighty. God, you are loving. God, you are merciful. Okay? If you hear a Muslim, they, they don't ever say God. They say God the, all, God the Almighty or God the All-Merciful. Okay? God be forever praised. Okay? They make sure to ascribe to God certain levels of respect and honor that He's due. We see that in the Scripture as well. We see that with Daniel. We saw that with Jesus. What did Jesus say in the model prayer? Our Father... Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Okay? So he's saying, God, you've got character. You've got, you know, you are brilliant. You are shining. You are pure. We need to, we need to begin our prayers with those things because when we come into God's presence and we really truly realize who he is, it changes the conversation. Okay. What does he do right after that? Yeah. Hmm? Confesses the sin. Confesses. 
Specifically, what's he confessing here? We didn't do what we were supposed to. Did we know what the law was? Yeah, we knew what the law was, but we didn't do it. Okay, so we didn't do what the law was. Uh, we rebelled. I know what the rules are. Okay, I, I confess. I, you know, you give me a rule, and I just want to. Sometimes I just want to break it, just cause it's there. Okay. There's a rebelliousness, and, and Americans have that a whole lot worse than a lot of other countries. Okay, But we praise God in prayer, and we realize who we are, and we confess who we are. Uh, when Jacob is wrestling with the angel of God on one side of the river, he is a coward, he is a trickster, he is a liar and a cheat his whole stinking life. His name meant trickster. Okay? But he wrestles with the angel, and the angel says, he says, give me a blessing. And the angel says, not to you tell me who you are. Keep in mind, Jacob had to say, I'm a cheater. When he says his name, he has to say, I'm a cheater. He has to confess. And it's at that point that the angel of God says, you will no longer be a cheater. You are Israel. You are Israel. Okay? So you are God with us and here, present. And, you know, you're a leader of God. You're a holy person. It changes who we are when we wrestle with, and when we re wrestle with who we recognize ourselves to be. Then uh, there's our rules right there, isn't it? Don't climb, don't climb and play on the rope. What <laughs> every one of those kids doing? You know, not all of them. There's, there's a couple. But they look like they're outside of the rope, don't they? Mm -hmm. The rope's supposed to be there for safety. Uh, and here they are. You know, there's, there's like one person here, maybe. Okay. Does somebody read, read this. Let's, let's see what uh, we've got to learn. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. Okay. What, does da what is Daniel confessing here? This is an extension of the previous verses. What's he confessing? Yeah. Covered in shame. Shame means that you know you've done wrong. Okay? Uh, when you're a little child, at some point you realize, uh, you know, when you're an, an absolute infant, you don't realize that pooping in a diaper is a big deal. You know? 
But at some point you realize you're supposed to use the potty. I don't know, you've seen mom and dad do it or whatever it is. But there is something that tells us it's wrong to do this and to keep it right next to our body, that this is nasty somehow. But what you see is almost every time, little kids, you probably did it. Okay, some of you have, I'm sure. Okay, I probably did it too. Get over behind some recliner or some hidden corner of the room and squat down and poop in our diaper. We know we're not supposed to do it. We know it's not healthy, even as a like one and a half year old, and yet we do it. Okay, we were unfaithful. What does, what's the penalty for this, does he say? What penalty did they receive for, for being this way? Covered with shame, okay? That's one penalty right there, guilt, okay? Guilt, ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. They were scattered. They were also scattered, okay? So keep in mind, folks, that God doesn't want us to be guilty. He wants us to be innocent. But we rebel against him in shameful ways. And so what we need to do is we need to listen to what God has to say, and we need to do it. Okay. So when we're praying, we specifically mention the things that God has done to us and for us. Covered in shame, yes. Scattered, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, how did God tell us that what we were doing was wrong? What do these verses say? Through the prophets. Through his servants and the prophets. God's given us his word to tell us what's good and healthy for us. Okay? God's told us how, God told me how to treat my wife. When I do it the way, whatever, the older men around me have treated their wives, I'm not honoring God. When I do it the way God told me to honor my wife, I'm honoring God and my wife. Okay? Okay? How long, Lord? Verses 11 through 14. Therefore, the curses and judgments written in the law of Moses have been poured out on us, because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring a disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. So what remedy is there? Uh, what remedy had God given to restore his people? What's the process that he mentions here for restoration? Turning back to him. Look at, the, uh, where are those verses here somewhere? Uh, third from the bottom. Third from the bottom. 
Turn from our sins. Give attention to your truth. Okay? We need to do like Jesus said. Jesus said, ask, seek. And ask, knock, and seek. Okay? Jesus said we need, we need to do that. We need to seek God. We need to turn from what we're doing. Okay? We need to, uh, we need to pay attention to truth, and we need to obey. Okay? You're righteous in everything, but we've not obeyed. Okay? Jesus said in that story about the wise men and the foolish men, we think it's some kind of a construction kind of a lesson for little kindergartners or something. No, Jesus says this is a story about who you build your, your house on. And you only build your house on the rock if you are putting into practice these words of mine, Jesus said. That's what, that's, that's what that little song's about. It's not a construction song. Sermon on the Mount is, is not about how to build solid houses, get a good foundation and all that. No, it's about obedience. Knowing the words of Jesus, totally different than doing the words of Jesus. Living like Jesus. Okay? And that's what the world needs to see in you. That's what the world needs to see in me. Somebody that does what Jesus would do. You are Jesus to the people around you. Okay? Um, uh, verses 15 through 19. Lord, you brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and made for yourself a name that still endures. We have sinned. We have done wrong. Lord, as with all your righteous acts, turn away from your anger and your wrath. Our sin, our sins and the sins of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people objects of scorn. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Good. What specific things is Daniel asking for here? Um, forgive. forgive. Hear, me out. Hear me out. Mercy. Okay. Why does he say God should do those things? He knows who God is. God is merciful. God is merciful, so he again admits the character of God. He has compassion on his people. He has compassion on his people. He says for your sake. For your sake. So that God's name can be glorified. So God's name can be glorified. Okay? Folks, this is this is the shame of the church of today. Not necessarily this church, but the church in general I'm speaking of, is that the people of this world see us with high rates of unfaithfulness to our spouses and our children and to God's Word. They see us with high rates of whatever... Uh, 
uh, unmarried people that are having sexual relations, uh, people that uh, abuse drugs and alcohol, that do all kinds of things. They don't see a significant difference. They don't see Jesus in the world. They see the world in us. This is a huge deal. He says, Lord, please accomplish your will for your purposes. Not because we're good, not because we're wonderful, but because you're faithful and because your name deserves it. The church is the bride of Christ. When I hear somebody putting down the church, I hear that person is is, is calling the bride at the wedding feast, is calling the bride a scumbag. You know? It, 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 by the way, the, the next prophet listed uh, right after Daniel in, uh, in at least the Protestant canon uh, is Hosea, which deals with unfaithfulness, the unfaithful wife. He's told to go out and marry a woman that's unfaithful. Um, and, and it's because Israel is unfaithful, and it's because we're unfaithful. So he's got a significant thing here for us, and it's not our righteousness, but it's his mercy, and it's because of his sake. I need to do those things. When I was a child, my dad would say to me, you're a Horton. Don't do these things, because Hortons don't do those things. Any of y'all's parents tell y'all something like that? No? I mean, not with like... I mean, not tell you, because you're a Horton, but... Well, I mean, there was always just, a, just an assumption. You didn't have to... You didn't have to specify the name. This is who we are, and you don't do this because this behavior is unacceptable. That goes back to our shame. Okay, Shame's not a horrible thing because it helps us, in some, to some extent, it helps us to conform to a standard. Keep in mind that it's not the goal. The goal is to live without shame. Okay, so we don't want a, we don't want a little kid pooping in the corner of the room. Okay? That's nasty. Okay? So we don't want that. So, you know, at some point, we, you, know, we, you know, they realize it's wrong and we just kind of reinforce how wrong it is. And we continue to reinforce how wrong it is until they're potty trained. Okay? Because we have a higher goal for them. So, so that they can live their life without that shame. If they've got that ability. Okay? So... All right, so uh, now we get into a very interesting part, okay? So we got about seven minutes, so let's hit this real quick, man, and let's see what we can see. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sins and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was standing in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me a swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Oh, sorry. Okay. What time did this happen? 
time of the evening sacrifice. Where are sacrifices being offered in Daniel's day? Altar. Uh, the altar. The altar in? Babylon. No. In Jerusalem. That's the only place that was acceptable for Jews to actually offer blood sacrifices. Twice a day they offered sacrifices. Daniel, you know, when I go over to visit my mother and father-in-law over in eastern Kentucky, I keep my watch set on central time because this is my home. Right? Daniel is still keeping track with what's going on in Jerusalem. Okay? He's still going with Jerusalem's schedule. Okay? Now look at this. The, the angel shows up at a specific time and says, I've come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I come to tell you for your highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and the vision. As soon as you began to pray, a word came out. And it didn't take very long for him to get there. By the way, we'll see in the next chapter, it takes quite some time for him to get there for a different message. Okay? So, let's... So I've got, this is a timeline. I'm going to say that there are uh, various interpretations of this. These are things that are uh, mentioned, and uh, the 70 weeks is mentioned here at the end of the chapter. We've got time to expand this next week. But for right now, uh, we're going to, hit, uh, going to hit a quick overview. So somebody read these verses. 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench in troubled times. So Daniel's question is, Lord, how long are we going to be living in this cruddy world uh, as your people, the Jews? How long are we going to have to endure this? And God gives him not just you got three more years, but God gives him an insight into more distant times. So uh, almost everybody agrees that the seven weeks stands for seven years. It's actually, again, seven time frames is the way it's said in Hebrew. Okay, so seven time frames, 62 time frames, and then one time frame for a total of 70 weeks or 70 time frames. Okay, so that's 490 years. Uh, does it say here uh, when this begins? Um, the time that the word goes out from the time the word goes out to destroy Jerusalem. So the word to destroy Jerusalem, I'm sorry, to rebuild Jerusalem rather, rebuild, happens in about 457. Uh, we've got uh, secular historians that agree on that. Uh, uh, there's a little question about time on, on the actual dates because of is there a zero BC, but we're within a year on all of these things. So the, the word is going out in 456 or 455 uh, BC. Then in 406, Jerusalem is actually rebuilt. 
So Darius comes in. Uh, let me just run through this time. Let's go on to the next slide, and then we'll come back, and I'll just get all of it. Okay. 26 and 27. Okay, so again, there's uh, there's all kinds of interpretations. Uh, people interpret all of this stuff as the Antichrist, as the Pope, as uh, a political figure like President Trump or uh, Vice President uh, Biden or whatever. Okay, so I'm not getting into any of that. I believe there are historical markers for this in this 490 years, and we see that the ex uh, that the exile began in 605. 70 years later, uh, uh, well, basically 67 years later, Daniel's praying. And so he's praying, Lord, uh, that's when this chapter's written. Uh, and so in, at 70 years later, Cyrus ends the exile and says, y'all can go home. Daniel does not seem to go home. Okay, he, he continues to stay there until his death, evidently. But many of the Jews go back to Jerusalem. Uh, that does not mean, uh, and they began to rebuild the temple, but they don't actually get it really restored. And then the wall's not up around the city, so it's not protected. Okay, so then Artaxerxes actually orders it fully restored. So... Not only did God get this done, God got this done and got the pagans to pay for it. They sent lumber and they sent gold and stuff. Now he still had his own people, his holy people, that built the temple, that built Jerusalem. But he got the pagans to pay for it. It was it's really cool. They were they were so blessed. Uh, God gave them favor because of Daniel and his friends. So 62 sevens later, after that, after those 49 years, uh, uh, we get the anointed one, uh, that's Jesus, and his baptism is in, uh, for, is in 27 AD, okay? So uh, when you put those BC years together, you end up getting uh, 27 AD, that's the time of Jesus' baptism, and uh, his earthly ministry. Then Jesus has about a three, three and a half year ministry, and then... I believe is my interpretation on this. Others agree with this, and others think that Daniel's all written after the fact and is garbage. Uh, so, you know, there's there's a huge spectrum here. But uh, but I think that the three and a half years before uh, of Jesus's ministry and three and a half years of the church gives us our uh, up to the stoning of Stephen, which is basically the end of the Jewish responsibility and then after that the word goes out to the Gentiles and we have a, a Gentile uh, transition if you will and so uh, I'm not saying that the Jews are left out 
after the stoning of Stephen, but there seems to be a very clear break in the work of the Apostle Paul uh, that's quite different. And this happens, one could say coincidentally, seven years after Jesus began his ministry, but uh, I don't think it was coincidental. Okay, The ruler who comes afterwards, the ruler who comes uh, the 70th seven uh, after that, so it's just a general after that happens, this is going to happen. That person is going to confirm a covenant. I think it's probably Nero. Uh, he's got a Roman occupation in 66 AD. They destroy the temple. They destroy Jerusalem. No stone is left. The temple mount that we have today is really just a foundation wall. That's all that's left. Everything else was turned into absolute rubble and destroyed. So it was just a foundation wall is all it was. Um, and so uh, destroys all of that. They uh, destroy the, the sacrifices. So it specifically said the sacrifices would, the daily sacrifices would end in Daniel's prophecy uh, in his vision. In 70 AD, all of that's destroyed. In 73 AD, okay, uh, it does say there's another seven that comes after the 77s, but it doesn't say when. So I think that's the destruction of Jerusalem, the three years occupation, destruction of Jerusalem, and then three and a half years afterwards with Masada and uh, the last Jewish stronghold. Okay, At which point then the Jewish nation is totally scattered and remains that way until the 1940s when, uh, after World War II. Okay. So there are, again, many other markers and uh, things that people think that th uh, this could be the Antichrist. It could be both. Okay? So, and this could also be some other figures throughout history. Some people think it's, uh, yeah, anyway. Some people think it's all about Antiochus Epiphanes. I don't, I don't believe that. Okay, so a lot of things here. We've got prayer. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Okay, if you'd like a homework page, I've got those to step you through some things on prayer this week. I'll just put those right over here. You can pick one up if you want. Okay, God bless y'all.